Guys, um, I want to start off by just saying good morning. How are you? Are you good? Uh, it, I tell you what, uh, I, I'm going to ask, because I want to know if there's anybody else like me. How, how many of you this week in the middle of the reading at some point stopped and, and fanned forward to count how many pages were left? Anybody else? Yes! I knew it was. I thought it was just me. I was like, I got into it. I was like, wow, there's still another 15 pages left. It was, uh, we cover, I tell you what, in the story this week, chapter 29, we, just in the story itself, it was 30 and a third pages, okay? It covered five books of the Bible and, and segments from 33 different chapters of Scripture. Whew. Okay? It's a lot of stuff. It's a lot of stuff. Now, last week in the story, we got to this point in the book of Acts where a seismic shift happens in the, in the overall story of God. Up until the book of Acts, the whole story was about God wanting to be with us. That was the story, right? God with us. In, in, in fact, Jesus, uh, Emmanuel, God with us. The whole story at this point has been about God wanting to be with us. But in the book of Acts, Jesus ascends into heaven after he's risen from the dead. He hangs out for 40 days. He ascends into heaven, and then he sends the counselor, the Holy Spirit. And the whole story shifts from this point forward. It's no longer just about God with us. Now the story is about God living in us. And, and everything changes. And so that's kind of where we were last week. And, and we realize when this happens, when the Holy Spirit comes, really three things happen, okay? First, we, we, we now, with God in us, we have a new relationship with God that we never had before. Now, now he, he really legitimately is our Father. We are His children. And so we have this vertical relationship. Now, that vertical relationship also changes all of our horizontal relationships because now we have brothers and sisters in Christ. A new bond is created. And, and the Bible calls this, this bond with these fellow believers, calls this thing the church, okay? And then this church now becomes central to God's mission, okay? God's mission before, he was working through Israel, then, then he's working through Jesus to, to prepare a way for us to come back to God. Now through faith in Christ, we become children of God, we belong to this body called the church, and from now on, God says, my plan is going to be to use people. I'm going to use the church to fulfill my great commission. They're going to go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give them power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And the rest of the story is about how God chooses and why God chooses to use us to bring about his mission. Okay, So that's where we were last week. At the tail end of last week, we met a guy named Saul. And said, listen, he's going to be pretty important, right? I mean, he's going to be. And, and Saul has an amazing encounter with Jesus, a life-changing encounter with Jesus. By the way, all encounters with Jesus should be life-changing. Uh, and and he, he really does. And he's blinded on the road to Damascus. And, 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 and Jesus says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul gets saved. He becomes Paul. And, uh, and, and, and this morning, what we're going to do, it, it, to the best of our ability, and cover 33 chapters, uh, we are going to talk about this, this person named Paul and his mission and his heart for this thing called the church, okay? And so join me in a word of prayer. That's where we're going to be this morning. Uh, we are going to be all over the story and your Bibles and all kinds of things. I hope, uh, I will try to talk slow. I was told last night at dinner that Easter was a little fast. We'll slow it down just a bit, but not much. But not much, all right? Pray with me. Father, uh, we love you. We love your word. We're here because we hunger for it. Because we have learned, as the Bible says, that we thirst after it. 
that you, in fact, your word is the bread of life. And we're here because we want more. Holy Spirit, we want to pause and recognize who you are. We say that you're God. We say that you are our wonderful counselor. You've come to teach us and to lead us in the ways of Jesus. And, and we confess to you how often we stifle that. How often we don't recognize you. How many areas of our lives that we don't invite you into. We're sorry. Would you please come now and just um, lead this church. Be our teacher. Lift up Jesus. King Jesus, as you are lifted up, would you draw us closer to yourself? Change our hearts. Change our minds. Change us. Transform us from the inside out into your image. Please. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. If you're in your Bibles, I'm in Acts chapter 13. Uh, if you have your copy of the story, I'm on page 407. Acts 13, 1 through 4, or uh, if you've got the copy of the story, it's page 407, starting at the very beginning. And again, I'm just going to read these four verses to you. It says this, it says, Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who'd been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and they sent them off. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. Okay, And so what happens is Paul and Barnabas are sent off on their first missionary journey. And, and, and this is what they do. They, they, they go off, and they're going to go off and, and preach the good news of Jesus. They're going to go off and begin to establish churches. Uh, as we study the book of Acts, Luke says that Paul went on three of these missionary journeys. This is going to be, uh, he, he's going to go on this one with Barnabas, and they're going to agree to kind of split ways, and then Paul's going to continue to work. When we read the letters of Paul, scholars believe he actually went on a fourth sometime after Acts was written. And so if you can think through this, so, so four missionary journeys, uh, possibly during that time, uh, at, at the low end, we know that Paul started somewhere between 10 and 14 churches. Uh, all of those churches multiplied to start other churches, so it's really difficult to see exactly how many churches Paul uh, specifically is responsible for. Uh, along the way, he writes uh, nearly half the New Testament, 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament, Paul writes all during this time. And so, so here's our challenge this morning. How on earth can we cover everything that Paul did? How can we cover everything that Paul did and everything that he taught and all the churches he started? And the answer is we, we, we simply can't. We can't. There is no way to cover everything that Paul did and the 33 chapters of Scripture, the segments that we read this morning. So our approach is going to be a little different. Instead of talking about what Paul did and what Paul talked, uh, taught about, what I want to do this morning instead is talk about who Paul was. Who, who was Paul? What kind of person was Paul as he went about all these things? Because my hope is... If we can figure out who Paul was through all of this time, that maybe, just maybe, we can get a glimpse of who we can be too. Okay? So that, that's going to be our goal. And so I've got three observations for you uh, this morning as we, we just kind of identify these character traits of this Apostle Paul. And, and, and the first one that really stood out to me this week was this, that, that Paul 
was someone that was full of the Holy Spirit. Paul was full of the Holy Spirit. If you wanted to, to, to say, man, there's something different about this guy, I would tell you, I think the primary difference about this guy was this, okay? That Paul was full of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and to really fully grasp that, we have to backtrack a little bit um, to, to his conversion, Acts chapter 9, right? Acts chapter 9 says, Then Ananias went into the house and entered it, and placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and what? And be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? That's, that's God's goal for you, Paul. He wants you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We read on in Acts chapter 13. And, and it says this. The two of them were sent on their way. By who? <laughs> by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is leading, is directing Paul. This is a character trait of his life. Right? We, we go on to Acts 13 verse 9. And it says this. It says, Then Saul, who was also called Paul, what? Filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at uh, Elmaeus and, and said, You are a child of the devil, an enemy of everything that is right. Okay, And so we have this continuing theme in Paul's life. It seems like every time it mentions him, that it, it mentions the fact that he's full of the Holy Spirit. He's led by the Holy Spirit. These things are going on. And then he writes this uh, in 1 Thessalonians. He says this is, is proof of, of who he was and the message that he brought. He says, For we know, brothers and sisters loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction, right? And so this is kind of a trademark of of who Paul was. And this week in the story, we read an account that really kind of testified to this truth about the Spirit's working in power through Paul. And so if you don't mind, turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19 Uh, I'm going to be reading from verse 11 through 16. And it's really a a pretty amazing story. Uh, Acts chapter 19, starting in verse 11. And this is what it says. It says, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. Get this. So that even handkerchiefs and aprons that he touched, uh, or that had touched him, were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured. Paul is so powerful in the Spirit of God that he is touching aprons and handkerchiefs and they're going off to sick people and sick people, like the sick people are not even coming to him. Just, just articles. Now listen, if you see this on TV later this week, do not send them $40 in a handkerchief, okay? All right? That is not Paul. Paul was not charging for this, okay? Do not do that. Don't fall for that. But Paul was so full of the Holy Spirit that these are the things that are, that are happening, okay? So, so this is what happened. And then it says, um, the sick, and their illnesses were cured, and the evil spirits left them. Some Jews went around, uh, some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Okay, now listen, Paul, Paul's so well known. He's doing so well that there are, there are some, evidently there's some Jewish exorcists that are going, hey, we're going to use Paul's name and we're going to get out, we're going to do what he's been doing. It's going to be great. And so uh, this, this is kind of crazy. So seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. And one day the evil spirit answered them. <laughs> That's never a good thing. Just going to tell you right now, if an evil spirit's talking to you, brother, you are in a bad place. 
And the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and I know about Paul, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. Now, it's a story of contrast. Paul is touching handkerchiefs and evil spirits are leaving people. And then we have these seven sons of Sceva. It was interesting. I heard Matt Chandler uh, was talking about this. And he's actually doing a series on the kingdom of God, which is really, really good if, if you listen to their podcast. And he just happened to mention the seven sons of Sceva. He says, I don't know if you've ever been in a fight. I, yeah, you know, I, I don't know. You, you kind of get ready for the fight. You're in the fight. You're kind of in there. And he said, like, like, I don't, you know, you never, sometimes you don't know if you, you won or lost the fight, right? I mean, you, you just got in the fight and you walk in. You're not sure if you won or lost because maybe you landed a couple. You, you got in a cross and maybe an uppercut. He got you a few times. He said, but one way you know that you lost the fight is when you walked into the fight and you had pants on. And you came out of the fight without pants, right? You lost that fight. If you walked into the fight and you had clothes on and you walked away bloodied and naked, you lost that fight, right? <laughs> I mean, that is not a good sign for you. And so there are seven guys, seven sons of Sceva, and they walk into the fight and they're trying to land a couple of punches in the, in the name of Jesus and in the name of Paul. And, and one evil spirit jumps on all these dudes and they walk out naked and bleeding. You say, well, what's the difference? What's the difference, Ready? The difference is Paul was filled with the Spirit of God. Paul was fear, filled with the Spirit of God, and these guys weren't. And listen, not, not only were they not filled with the Spirit of God, I'd go as far as to say they, they probably didn't have the Spirit of God at all. Okay? But when we talk about us, when we talk about today, we talk about people that do have the Spirit of God, I, I, I need to say this to you, and, and, and maybe you haven't heard it before, but there is a difference between having the Holy Spirit and being full of the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to say that again. There's a difference between having the Holy Spirit and being full of the Holy Spirit. Wayne Grudem says it this way. By the way, he's the guy that wrote a book titled Systematic Theology. That's like the title of the book. He says, The Holy Spirit gives stronger or weaker evidence of the presence and the blessing of God according to our response to Him. I'm going to repeat that again. The Holy Spirit gives stronger or weaker evidence of the presence and the blessing of God according to our response to Him. He goes on to say the Holy Spirit will bestow or withdraw blessing. When I say blessing, I want you to think about power. I want you to think about evidence. He will bestow or withdraw his, his, his power, his evidence, his blessing, according to whether or not he is pleased with the situation that he sees. Wow. Think about this with me. Are we walking in obedience? That's, that's, that's probably a big one, right? Are, are we surrendering ourselves fully to Him? Are, are, we, are we giving Him a, a, a central place in our lives? Are we giving control over every aspect? Or are we just kind of letting Him into the main places that people see? Are we really, honestly, truthfully, like, like God watching, not lying, not, not like, telling our brothers, are we honestly in everything that we can do trying to keep in step with him and our motives and our actions and our thoughts and our words? 
Are, are, we, are we actively doing it? Because that's what Paul refers to in, in, in the book of Galatians. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul says that people that, that, that give themselves to this task of keeping in step with the Holy Spirit, people that, that, that say, like, if, if they do this, if their life is centered about, like, the Holy Spirit's moving, I'm going to follow. Holy Spirit's stepping, I'm going to, Holy Spirit has stopped, I'm going to stop. Right? People that are known for this character trait, he says, are full of abundant spiritual fruit. It's, it, their whole life is marked by, by these character traits, right? Like love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. It oozes out of, of who they are. It becomes their spiritual DNA. The people that give themselves fully to following the Spirit of God, they actually become spiritual orchards. Providers of spiritual fruit. It's what they become known for. You know what those things sound like to me, by the way? Power. Go read through Galatians 5. Love and joy and peace and patience, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, self control That sounds like power to me. Power over the flesh. Power over my sin. Power over my circumstance. Listen, don't fool yourself. The Holy Spirit is, is, is proof that God lives in you. He is. And if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in you, but that is not the same thing as being full of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants more than just to live in you, friends. He doesn't just want to um, be a part of your life. He doesn't want to just um, uh, have you feel His presence during worship once a week. I mean, he doesn't. Believe it or not, that's not his goal for you. The Holy Spirit's goal for your life is that you would be full of him. I mean, full to the the rim and and, and brimming over. That's his goal for your life. That like Paul, your life would be a witness to the Holy Spirit's power and presence. And then we too might be able to proclaim, I can do all things. Through Christ who gives me strength. Okay? So we start there, man. If you're going to study the life of the Apostle Paul, you have to start with this fact that he was full of the Holy Spirit. Second thing I want you to see was that Paul was faithful despite opposition. Not only was Paul full of the Holy Spirit, but man, he was faithful um, despite opposition. I'm going to read from Acts chapter 14. So if you've still got your Bibles open, just want to flip back a little bit. Acts chapter 14, starting in verse 8. Uh, this is actually on his first missionary journey, which I think is appropriate, right? Because we're talking about this. This actually happens um, the first time out. Now, I, I don't know about you guys. I don't know if you've ever gone on, on big adventures. I don't, I don't know if you've ever kind of done like a, a major uh, shift in life. Maybe you used to do this for a living and you said, no, I'm going to change. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm gonna, I'm, I've got a new job. I've got a new career, okay? So I want you to imagine that you went through a massive life change, big career change. You became a different person and you're in like month one of the career change and tragedy comes. Like, are you going to keep doing that, Right? I mean, if you say, I'm going to sell real estate, and, and you get sued uh, your first time out on a big commercial deal, right? Are you still selling real estate? You're like, I am out of here, okay? So Paul, this is, he makes it, he's on his first missionary journey, Acts 14, verse 8. Uh, it says, in Lystra, there, there sat a man crippled in his feet, who was lame from birth, and had never walked. And he listened to Paul 
as he was speaking. And Paul looked directly at him, and he saw that he had faith to be healed, and he called out, Stand up on your feet! At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. And when the crowd saw that Paul had, uh, what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language, The gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. The priest of uh, Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths uh, to the city gates, because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes, they rushed out into the crowd, shouting, Men, why are you doing this? We are only men, human like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from the heavens and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowds from sacrificing to them. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and they dragged him outside of the city thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up. And he went back into the city, and the next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. Paul heals a man, full of the Holy Spirit. Man's transformed, the people go, oh, you're a god! And Paul goes, no, I am not a god. I'm a man telling you about the one true god. And they're like, no, and they stone him. So these Jews following him are causing trouble. They, they turn the crowd against him. They actually stone him. They're, they're throwing real physical rocks uh, into his head and his body. And they stone him. And, and he almost dies. That's what scripture. They thought he was dead. He is unconscious. And, and they, they pull his limpless, lifeless body outside the city gates. That's what you do with a dead person. Just let him rot out there with the trash and stuff. So they lay him there. And what happens? And he gets back up. He gets... Now listen, just think if this were you, my friends, right? I'm going to be honest. I think 90% of us ain't getting back up. You just be honest. I'd be like, I'm done, Lord. Just take me home. Uh Uh-uh. I I tried it. I, I, I gave it my best. I am finished. I am done, Lord. I am staying here. I'm dying here. God bless you. I did my one thing. I went on that one mission trip that one time. I'm done. I'm done. It's over. But he doesn't stay down. He gets back up. And not only does he get back up, then he goes back in. And he spends the night kind of licking his wounds. And then the next day, not like 10 days, not like a few days, not like a couple of weeks, not like a brief hospital stay. The next day, Paul, who was stoned to the point they thought he was dead, goes back on. He goes back on. And the Holy Spirit speaks into my spirit. So what's your excuse? And listen. And this is just one example. This is just one thing that happens in the life of Paul. Let, let, let me read some others too. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. If you want to you turn there. If you're, you're keeping up. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Uh, starting verse 23. And I'm just going to read 23 through 28. Paul writes, are are, are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk like this, but he says, I am more. I have worked much harder 
been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. Middle of the oak, just floating, trying not to drown. You guys following me? (laughs) This is crazy. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled, and I have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst, and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. How hard's your Christian walk? Despite all these things, man. Despite all these things, Paul remains faithful. He is faithful despite all of this opposition. And we said this before, we said this not long ago. I, I think it, it's worth repeating. We need to understand that not all opposition is from God. That's the lie of the prosperity gospel. Prosperity gospel tells you that if you're in the will of God, God's just going to bless you. And, and they speak, when they say bless you, they mean financially, with health, with wealth. With, so that's the lie of the prosperity gospel. That as long as I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, God is, is going to give me good things. I'm not going to have any bad things happen in my life. And so what they're going to tell you is when the, the, the prosperity gospel is going to tell you when bad things happen in your life, it's probably uh, that you're outside the will of God, that you've got to do something. To go, you're not praying enough. You don't have enough faith. And that, and Paul was full of faith. Beaten, shipwrecked, a day and a night at sea, right? More than anybody else, he says. Let, let me, I'm not trying to boast, he says, but let me boast a little bit. Nobody's been beaten as much as I have. Nobody. I'm not trying to boast about all these other guys, but I'm just going to tell you the people that you like to listen to, to, to preach other than me, and that's fine, you can have your preference, but I'm just going to tell you, I, I, which of them has been stoned to death and got back up? Which, which of those guys, right? I'm not, I'm not going to tell you, but like, like how many shipwrecks have you been in? I mean, really, how many times has the ship gone down for you? How many times, like, how many times have, you, have you been in prison? Let's just talk about it. How many times have you been flogged? And, and, and Paul, he's not trying to build a case saying, look at me, look at me. He's saying, listen, it doesn't matter what life throws your way. The call is to be faithful. It doesn't matter what life throws your way. The call is to be faithful. So I'm just going to say, not all opposition is from God. In fact, oftentimes opposition is a sign of obedience. If you are doing what God wants you to do, and you are following hard after Him, there is a very real enemy that wants to get in your way. Paul perhaps understood this truth better than anyone else. I think that is how he has the guts to write this in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Wow. This was a different guy. Paul was faithful despite opposition. Third thing I think we see in his life. Ready? <clears throat> Paul was joyful Despite circumstances. 
Paul was joyful despite circumstances. This is like one of those quiet sermons. Y'all know that, right? We're the amens and the hoops and hollering. We, we just got quiet in here. Just, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Yours, I had to deal with this all week. Paul was joyful despite circumstances. Uh, quick question. How many of you have ever wanted to know the will of God for your life? Come on. Come on, raise them up. Let's see. All right. Okay, I'm going to answer the question for you in church today. Isn't that good? You came, I've been, I've been looking for this my whole life. God, what is your will for my life? I'm going to answer it, at least in part. At least in part, I'm going to answer it this morning. Ready? Here it is. 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, ready? Here's the kicker. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. <laughs> so what is God's will for my life? Ready? Rejoice always. <laughs> Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for you in, in Christ Jesus. Whew. There it is. God's will for me in Christ. Be joyful always, right? But I have cancer, Lord. Be joyful. But my marriage is, is struggling, Lord. Be joyful. But my kids are, are pulling away from me. Be joyful. But, but I'm tired, God. Be joyful. But I'm overwhelmed, God. Be joyful. But I'm overworked, God. Be joyful, right? But I'm overcome, God. Be, be joyful. He says, be joyful in, in, in all circumstances, right? Be joyful. Rejoice always, it says. Always. Not, not, not sometimes. Not, not rejoice when life is good. Rejoice when you don't have any problems. Rejoice when there's no stress. Rejoice when there's no pain. Rejoice when there's no problems. That's not what it says. It says rejoice always. Always. Every day. Every moment. Through every, every struggle. Through every trial. Rejoice always. This is God's will for me. Is to be a rejoicer. Not a complainer. Whoo. That's a different gospel. That's like a different message. I thought God was the complaint department. Whew. So rejoice always. That, that's, 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 that's a third of it. And it says pray continually. Pray continually with a rejoiceful attitude. Some of us pray continually, but it's with that complaint attitude. God, I'm mad at you. Come on, God, let's talk about it, man. This is tough, God. I don't enjoy this, God. I don't have this, God. I need some more of this, God. God, God, God. He's going, wait, did you miss the first third of the equation? My will for your life. Rejoice always. Pray continually. And this, this big one here. Give thanks in all circumstances. You remember when you were in school? And you had a big test from that mean teacher that you didn't like. <laughs> yeah, what was her name? Maybe it was a him, okay? Maybe it was a him. Mine was uh, Miss Palmer, Algebra 2. Miss Palmer, if you haven't gone to be with Jesus, forgive me for this. Ah, uh, Miss Palmer was, uh, I was in Honors Algebra 2. I, uh, I, she was a, um, a smoker, like a, a pipe smoker or something. She had a... I think she smoked in between every class, like she had a closet or something, she had figured something out, and so, uh, and she would not answer your questions 
uh, in a public setting. So if you asked her a question, she wouldn't explain it to the whole class. She would have to come get up in your face to answer your question. And it was just obtrusive. Uh, it, was, it was offensive. And so I stopped asking questions in Algebra 2. <laughs> and my grade just went... Um, I remember how stressed I would get about those tests, right? I mean, having to study for those tests and just all the stress. But you want to know the truth of those tests. As difficult as, as her tests were, I learned because I had to go through those things. I had to study. I had to endure. I had to, you know, guys, every test that we face in life makes us better for it. Every test. So what test are you in the middle of that you're complaining about? And I love you, but I know you. We we are a complaining society. That's why Facebook is still around. Just going to be honest. That's why why we don't don't read newspapers anymore because we can't comment and complain. We want to read them online so we can give our little two-cent thoughts. We we have turned into the most complaining society there has probably ever been where we all have a voice and we all have an opinion, right? Let's all, let's all voice it out. We are, I mean, a spirit of complaint has, 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 has covered the world. Not, not, not just our society, not just our country, the world. We are complainers. And yet God, one of his tools for making us better is testing us. It's actually through the difficult stuff that we become stronger, that we, we learn to rely on him, that it builds our faith, it grows our character, and we complain every step of the way. God says, you want to know my will for you? Ready? Rejoice always. Pray continually. And here's the kicker. Give thanks in all the circumstances. Give thanks. Hope tells a story. Uh, she told me a story the other day of a lady that she listens to and follows who was diagnosed with cancer. And the very first words out of her mouth or thank you, Jesus. Man, I want to be there someday. You know what I'm saying? I want to be there someday. Thank you, God, that I'm struggling right here. Thank you, God, that I'm going through this. God, thank you. Give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus, okay? I want to pack these things up. And Now, listen, I, before I get there, I, I will tell you, because uh, you're thinking there's no way, that's junk. This should be on. You're like, ah, that's, that's, come on. That is just Paul just writing something, and, and he didn't live that out. I just want to show you that this man really did, like, he really encompassed these things. He lived these things out. So turn with me to Acts 16 before we go to our homework. Like, just turn with me to Acts 16 real quick, because I want you to see this. Acts 16, starting in verse 16, if you think that Paul was, was just kind of blowing smoke at you, if you think that this was something, Paul just was throwing this lofty idea that he didn't himself live up to. I'm in Acts 16, starting in verse 16. And it says, uh, once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. And she kept this up for uh, many days. Finally, Paul became troubled, that, so troubled that he turned around and he said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the Spirit left her. 
When the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. What they meant is, these men have ruined our uh, 401k. Now the crowd... Uh, joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell, and he fastened their feet in the stocks. Okay, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them and suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shook and all the prison doors flew open. It was, I just, now, there's a great miraculous release here, oh, that's true, but I just want to focus on this for a minute. Okay, So they, they, they literally drove out a demon, they, they, they freed a demon-possessed girl and, and they, are, they, they are then beaten... Okay, well, hold on. They're stripped naked, uh, they are severely flogged, and then they are thrown into prison, and their feet are put in stocks. So I'm hoping, like in my mind, as I try to imagine things, that they're at least partially clothed again. But I'm just, it hasn't been a good night, okay? Like, it hasn't been a good day. They have been stripped, they have been beaten, they, they are now, like, basically in prison, and their feet are in stocks, very uncomfortable. And, and I'm just trying to imagine this, and in the midst of this blood coming out, swollen face and everything, and the, and the back is hurting, and Paul kind of looks over at Silas, and he's like, Silas, are you thinking what I'm thinking? And Silas is like, yeah, amazing grace, how sweet. You know what I'm saying? Like, what... Who does this? Who does this? I'll tell you somebody that does this. The person that does this is the person that is joyful always. That is joyful always. And these are things that set Paul apart, okay? So I want to challenge you this, this morning as we kind of leave this place. We're starting to wrap up our time in the story together. I want to challenge you with the life of Paul to say, uh, Paul was a guy named Saul before. He was a persecutor of the church. He wasn't an initial follower of Jesus. He's a guy. He's a guy with a past. He's a guy who made mistakes. Maybe that sits well with you. Maybe you understand that. Maybe you hear where I'm going. I want you to know that if he can do it, we can too. And so, uh, three things I'm going to give you very quickly. The, the first, we talk about taking the story home, is I want to challenge you really to, to, to make an effort to keep Step with the Spirit. Keep step with the Spirit. I'm going to tell you in my life, and as I've studied the Bible, I've really found about four factors that uh, all apply, and they just kind of work together. It's not like a one thing or a two thing. It's these things kind of combined. And, and the first factor, uh, I, I just call lessening of self. Uh, Alan could throw up his, his forearm for us. Uh, but John 3.30, uh, it's one of our favorite verses, right? Um, John 3.30, where John the Baptist says he must become greater, or he must increase and I must decrease, right? And there, there is this lessening of self that has to happen. For us to keep in step with the Spirit, we, we can't operate out of the flesh. We can't operate the way that we want to do things, the way that my, my natural spirit and bent is. Guys, your, your natural spirit and bent is not of God. 
And, and, and so there has to be this lessening of self, whatever that self is. I mean, you know, you've you got to figure out a way to, to lessen that so that God can increase in you, okay? The, the second factor, I would say, is uh, uh, the, the abiding aspect of keeping in step with the Spirit. And, and what Jesus talks about in John chapter 15, right? That if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you'll bear much fruit. There, there, this is kind of central to this, this being uh, filled with the Spirit, is, is remaining in, in the Spirit and, and, and wanting to be there and understanding that, that apart from the Spirit of God, friends, we can do nothing. We can do nothing. Not we can do a few decent things. No, like he says, you can do nothing. Anything you do apart from me is going to be burned up. It's just going to be trash. It's going to be thrown into fire. I mean, like that understanding that, God, without you, I'm nothing. And we, we have to get to that, that point that we really, so, so we've got the lessening of self. We've got the abiding aspect. I think the third factor I call is the, the factor of invitation. Uh, you, you've heard that, that God's a you know, perfect gentleman, and I, I believe that to be true. And, and, and God isn't going to force you to do something that, that you don't want to do necessarily. God, God, God wants you to want him. And, and so I, I challenge you, have you ever invited the Holy Spirit into an area of struggle? Not just talk to him about it, not just say, oh, I, I'm going to not come up with a battle plan on your own. We've done that. Oh, Lord, I'm, I'm struggling with, you know, I, I, I counsel guys all the time, I'm struggling with lust. So I got, uh, I got a thing for my computer, and I shared my password with my wife, and I did this, and I did that. And those are all, hey, listen, that's fine. I, I appreciate that you put a battle plan. I just want to add to that, did you invite the Holy Spirit into the battle? Did you ask him to come into the battle? Because you've got to do that. Ladies, what about you? I mean, you know, I talk to ladies, I mean, I'm really struggling with, with my self-image. I just can't believe what my husband says when he says that I'm beautiful. Or I can't believe uh, that, that my past doesn't matter. Or I can't believe, and, and, and just buying into the lies that the devil keeps feeding them over and over and over. And I just want to say, okay, I, I know that you have written down scriptures and that you read those things daily, and that's great. And, and I, I know that you kind of have this thing that you speak to yourself in the morning. I am, I am beautiful, and I am smart, and I am. And it's great. That, that those affirmations are great. Awesome. But have you invited the Holy Spirit into the battle? Have you actually said, Holy Spirit, I need you to come in right now. I'm going to invite you into this space. And I, I just, I want you to come and be my, my counselor, be my God, be the one that walks before me, be the one that, that, that leads me and directs me. Please, would you, would you come into this area of my life, okay? Uh, it's a big deal. And, and, and that, again, that every area, not just some areas. And then the last factor I would tell you is the obedience factor, guys. The more that we listen and obey to the Spirit, the more that he um, will make his presence known, period. The more that we obey, the more that he works, the more that, that's, that's going to happen. So the more that you listen and obey the Spirit, the more that you will see his presence and power and work in your life. Remember, there is a difference between having the Holy Spirit in you and being full of the Holy Spirit, okay? So number one, keep step with the Spirit. Number two, uh, this week, I, I would really challenge you to stay faithful, right? To stay faithful. In the face of, of opposition, stay faithful, right? Get back up. Maybe, maybe you're here and you're, you're here, but man, you're just hanging on by a thread. Spiritually speaking, you're like, ah, uh, no, nah, I've, I've kind of checked out. I'm just kind of hanging on just a little bit. I'm here, I'm present. I, I, I'm not really into it, okay? Listen, I, I hear you, but at some point, you got to get back up. 
Because where you are laying there in that pool of blood, like, I mean, you have a choice. So this can be the end of your story, and you made it for 15 years, and then you got knocked down, and you decided, I'm going to die there. So, so you know what? My marriage is just going to stay here. It's never going to get better. My job situation is never going to get better. I'm never going to be the Christ follower that I think I could be. I'm just going to stay right here. I've, I've been knocked down, and by golly, I'm going to stay right here, and this is where my story ends spiritually. Because you have that choice. Or you could get back up and change the world. If Paul had stayed down in that very first, it's his first missionary journey. First one. Where would the churches be? Where would the Bible be? None of that had been written yet. You guys follow me? Where would we be? Can I ask you just perspective? Whose story might be dependent upon you getting back up. Right? Just think through that. There's, there's gravity. We like to think that the pressure in life spiritually is only on pastors. We, we read about another pastor this week. You go, come on, man. We think it's just on them. I, I just, I wonder, just churchgoers, how many decided, nope, I'm going to stay here in my bitterness. And I wonder how many other people are affected because you didn't get back up. Okay? So you've got to get back up. And after you get back up, man, at some point you just got to get going again. You've got to get going again. You've got to get back on the mission, right? What's the mission? To make disciples. So I didn't go so well the first time. I tried to make a disciple and they threw something at me and it hurt. Guess what? A lot of people are going to throw a lot of things at you, man. And it, it's going to hurt. It gets better. I mean, it does. You just get used to bruises. It's okay. It's okay. Stay faithful. Last one, number three. Last one, number three. <clears throat> Stop letting circumstances steal your joy. Stop letting circumstances steal your joy. <laughs> what is God's will for my life? Man, I want to know it. God, what is your will for my life? I feel like it's something more than this. God says, I want you to rejoice in this. What? hold on, God, I thought you had, like, some elevated position. He's like, I want you to be happy where you are. He's not, not just happy, because that's, that's, a, that's a worldly term. I want you to be blessed where you are. Like, where you are in the pit, I want you to be, be joyous. I want you to be filled. Like, you are naked and bleeding. You've been beaten up. You're chained, and you're there with another dude, okay? And I want you to sing anyway. And that is my will for you in Christ Jesus. Would you guys pray with me this morning? Lord, thank you for today. And thank you for your word. And thank you for this guy named Paul who seems crazy. Let us see that you want to use us in a similar fashion. Please. We love you, Lord. Let us go out of this place thinking about these things. Let us not leave them here this week. There is work to be done. Let us do it. In Jesus' name, amen.